0: I'm going to have you turn to some scriptures tonight. Before we do that, we don't want to forget something very important. Somebody had a birthday today, and it might be Stephanie Conger. Ah, it is Stephanie Conger. Is there anybody else that had a birthday today? No? All right. Well, you're the only one. I guess we get to sing just to you. (laughs) That's wonderful. Let's sing. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Miss Stephanie. Happy birthday to you. All right. Happy birthday. We won't ask how old you are. All right. Happy birthday. But you could tell us. No. Nope. Oh, how many? okay. I thought you said 25. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> awesome. Turn your Bibles if you would. We're going to go to a few different passages tonight quickly. I'll be sensitive to your time, but just give me a few minutes to, to give you some complete thoughts, the opposite spectrum of what we've been going over every Sunday night for the past month, about leadership in, in this church. Okay, And in God's New Testament church, the church that he ordained, we're in Hebrews 13. Did I tell you that? Hebrews chapter 13. We'll be there and we'll go to a couple other passages, but we'll start there. And in God's church, he has ordained um, some principles for us to follow, even in the area of leadership and involvement in the local church. We've been running through the ideas of deacon, the role of deacon, not the title of deacon because it's not a title. It's just a word that means Servant. It's actually a transliterated word. Diaconos is the actual word. So if you want to be true to the name, you're called a diaconos. Okay, but we transliterated into English deacon. All right, so there you go. But deacon just means servant. And we're, I'm privileged. We got four men that have um, been nominated, actually, more than that four, but four that were able to do it. And um, they're going to be step up as new servant leaders here at our church. And really excited about that. Decided to present them to you on the 24th at our annual vision and budget meeting. But along with that, we also talked about uh, the role of the shepherd, right? The role of the shepherd, the pastor, the elder, the bishop, really all interchangeable terms. Each of those terms means something different, but it's a title, if you will, for the same role. And again, it points back to the same thing in Scripture that God is not about the titles. He's about the role and what that role accomplishes in his body. Whether it's the bishop, which is the overseer, it's really, if, if we were to say there's a, there's a New Testament term for the lead pastor, it'd be the bishop. Or if it's the actual word pastor, only used one time in the New Testament, but that just means the role of the shepherd. Or if it's the uh, role of the, the elder, okay, the elder is literally means older, but it's a little bit of wisdom under their, their belt. It's, it's the leadership structural, really the general leadership term for the shepherds in the church, the elders, and then maybe it's the overseer, all really interchangeable terms for the New Testament pastors or elders. We looked at that as well, that role, and now tonight we're just going to give you just really a brief thing, because we've talked about this many times, and I'm not going to beat the same thing over and over again. You can study this more on your own if you like, but just to kind of lay out a few things from your end to the leadership end. You say, well, maybe I'm not qualified to be a deacon, an elder, a pastor, whatever, or maybe I haven't been called to be that. And, uh, but, So what does that mean for me? Well, there's something for each and every one of us. When God saved you, he puts you in his church, his ecclesia, his assembly. And you have a plan by God and a purpose because of that in that assembly. And you, we're going to talk just a little bit about that, and we'll, we'll give you some um, maybe some stuff to take home with you tonight. Pastor Bill, did we get those? We're, okay, I'll, I'll let you know what we're going to do about that. So let's look in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, Those a few things that, as God is talking from your end, um, chapter 13, verse 7, your end to spiritual leadership in your life. You say, maybe I'm not really in a spir- spiritual leadership mode, mode. or maybe you're, you're like me, you're in spiritual leadership, but that doesn't mean that you have no leadership over you. That's never going to happen in your life. We always have a role and an idea of submission to somebody. Number one, to God, right? But God has placed leaders in our life. We submit to the governments. We know that in Romans chapter 13. But God has many times put, and this is what we're talking about tonight, spiritual leaders in our life. If you're part of a church, you have spiritual leaders. There are older men in this church Specifically for me, there's an older man that used to be in this church. He's now my spiritual leader. I meet with him once a month. Okay, there's there's spiritual leaders. There would be people that are in this church that are older than me, that have been saved longer than me, that have more wisdom than me, and at times they take the role of somebody that is a leader in my life, and they come along and they share truth with me, and they say, hey, you know, what about what about this? Or you know, I don't know if that's really the best idea, and I'm grateful for that. I hope don't ever let yourself get past the point where you can take that. You will, you will begin to sour, you will begin to shrink, you'll begin to literally slide backwards in your Christian life if you stop taking correction and advice and wisdom from others as if somehow you don't need it any longer. That's unscriptural and it really is just a blind spot for you, so don't. if you ever find yourself there, seek help because it's not a good place to be for any of us. Okay. But when we're looking at, at spiritual leaders, what, in Hebrews chapter 13, we see a couple things in this passage. Then we'll go to chapter 13, verse 17, see a couple things in there as well. The Bible has these principles kind of sprinkled throughout, which I wouldn't typically do, but this, this lends itself to this type of study tonight. Number one, we see to remember your spiritual leaders. To remember. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, he uses this specific word, actually. Remember them which have the rule over you. Okay, he's talking about spiritual leaders. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or their manner of living. So we see a couple things about remembering. Number one, remember their teaching. You know, he says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. What a privilege to be in America, to have people that have so many people that have been around the gospel, to have so many avenues that we can receive teaching and preaching and um, testimony about what the word of God has done in our life. Um, so many areas that we can go online and we can read an article or, or we can be here on a Sunday morning or we can be in a fellowship group or we can go so many different directions to have people feed us the word of God. He says, remember them. Remember them. Now, let's, let's be specific here. Remember them which have the rule over you, which have taught you the word of God. So these are not people that are in our digital age on the other side of the world, okay? These are people in your context that are physically having some sort of leadership role in your life, a spiritual leadership role, and they've taught you the word of God. He says, remember them. Pray for them appreciate them. You know, that's what remembering means. Don't don't forget about them. I mean, we've all had this. Maybe some of us, others, there's been people in your life or maybe people that you've had an influence in that over time you just kind of lost track of. You didn't spend the time. You didn't contact them like you should have. They moved away. They kind of moved out of your severe, sphere sphere of, of what's going on in life, and they st- honestly stopped getting remembered, right? It wasn't that you didn't like them anymore. It's just You weren't remembering them. You weren't putting that effort into that part of your life. God says, no, put effort into this. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. And then he says, remember not just that, their teaching, but remember their way of life. He said, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, conversation means their their manner of living, the the way they lived. Follow their faith, considering the end. You watch their life. You saw that they were somebody that could lead you, and so you followed them. Don't forget them. Don't forget them. Make them an active part of your memory, active part of your thinking. Pray for them. Appreciate them. Okay, folks, I'm just giving you the word here tonight, okay? Number one, remember your spiritual leaders. Number two, it gets even better. Verse 17, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey the spiritual leadership God has put in place. Hey, you know. Listen, you know me if you've been around me more than 25 minutes talking about leadership, that I am not a dictator. Absolutely not. Um, that's because I believe God's not a dictator, by the way. That's why I'm not. And if anybody could be, it's him. I'm thankful God is who he is. Obey the spiritual leadership God has put in place. He says there in verse 17 of chapter 13, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. It's so unprofitable for you. He's talking to the Hebrew people here, these, these Hebrews that were really struggling with coming out. Um, they've now professed faith in Christ, but they're struggling with the old ways, their old religion. What part of that do I keep? What part of I don't? And they have got teachers coming in trying to teach them all sorts of different things. And he, you know, he starts to say, hey, appreciate the leaders that have taught you the word of God, that have given you a clear way here. Appreciate them. Remember them. And he says, Obey them. Obey them. They're the ones that are watching for your souls. It says obey them, hearken, listen, be obedient to what they're saying. You know, spiritual leadership, unfortunately, I can only speak for America, unfortunately in many denominations has gotten a really bad rap, and it's, it's because men and women are sinful. But spiritual leadership has been put on pedestals, and, and when you put a spiritual leader on a pedestal, not everybody can handle that. And they're maybe engulfed in pride. Maybe they fall into temptation. Maybe they take more out of that role than really they should. And so they begin to get a reputation. And I feel like in America, we have this cynicism about spiritual leadership. A cynicism that we're always doubting their intentions. We're always making sure, hey, make sure you got those checks and balances in place. Make sure you Not that any of that's not wise, but it's almost become in America like that's now a requirement. If we're going to follow you, this, 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 and this has to happen because we don't really believe you at the offset. We don't really trust you at the offset. We've, we've seen too many people fall, right? We've seen too many people mess it up. Too many people abuse their power, abuse their authority, and as a result, we swing the other direction. Can I just say there's very little of that in the, in the scriptures. What is in the scriptures is protection after protection after protection against false teachers, those who are not teaching the truth. And that's that's a serious thing to God. But God, in his goodness, puts spiritual leaders in the church, in the assembly, to help the body. He says, remember them. Obey them. He says, submit yourself. What does that mean? It's the same picture that uh, a wife is to submit herself to her husband, right? It's not the husband telling his wife to submit. It's the wife actively making that decision. I'm going to place myself under my husband. And she has to make that decision, right? Because sometimes the wives are actually better leaders than the husband is. So wives have to make that decision to put themselves under. It's the same thing for you. For you to put yourself under spiritual leadership in your life is going to be a decision for you sometimes, especially if you're further along in your faith than that person is. Especially if you feel like your pastor is not as good a Christian as you are. Or if you feel like your pastor um, is a little immature in some areas or you didn't agree with what he did. It's hard to put yourself under that, right? To submit yourself to that leadership, and I could totally understand. But this is what God is telling us. Obey them to have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Why, says they've got to give an account. And when they give that account, if you'll obey them, you'll submit yourselves. They can give that account with joy, not with grief. When they account for the relationship, leadership relationship they had in your life, And they give account for what they taught you, for how they led you, for the example they put before you. They can do it with joy and not with grief. You may say, well, I mean, they don't deserve joy. They deserve some grief for what they've done. But look what he says there. That they may do it with joy and not with grief, verse 17, for that is unprofitable for you. Well, that's interesting. It it says, for... There is no room in here for us to have vengeance on the untoward pastor or for us to really uh, hope that that pastor who just abused his privileges gets what he deserves. There's no room for that in here. It's God has put leadership in our lives, and we're not responsible for them. We're responsible for us, and that goes all different directions. We're to be the right ones. We're to carry on the mantle of our Lord Jesus Christ who also in Philippians 2 submitted himself, humbled himself, even to the place of death, and became obedient to the cross. Number three, number three, let's go to 1 Timothy. Would you turn there with me? 1 Timothy chapter 5. So we're remembering our spiritual leaders. This is, by the way, admonitions from the Lord for your place in this assembly. Remembering your spiritual leaders, obeying the spiritual leader, God has put leadership that God has put in place, submitting yourself to them. Say, watch for your souls. And number three, honor the spiritual leadership God has put in place. And by the way, don't, don't get um, too bent out of shape at the word honor here. Let's look at what this actually means. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. So this is Pastor Paul instructing this young pastor, Timothy, his son in the faith, on how to rule, how to pastor effectively. Uh, I believe he's at the church at Ephesus right now, if I'm correct. And he's talking to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, verse 17, 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. That's two Old Testament quotes. And he says in verse 19, against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So we get a little snapshot of the church's relationship with elders, with with the shepherds, with the overseers in the body there. By the way, you see this over and over again. There's always multiple elders. There's multiple shepherds. Okay, There's, It's always in the multiples. He says, let the elders that rule well, rule. Get that Remember we saw that in Hebrews 13, 7, them that's, which have the rule over you. 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. Here we are in 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders that rule well, be counted worthy of double honor. Well, what is he talking about there? Well, it's a little ambiguous what it is, but there is a genuine consensus because of the context. He keeps on going. He says, if they're ruling well, okay, he says, especially the ones that are laboring, that are working hard to teach you the word, that are working hard to lay the word of God out to you and, and teaching you right doctrine, those ones, they're ruling well. They're worthy of double honor. Well, what does that double honor mean? Well, it's not exaltation. It's not, oh, you're the best. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about, okay? You're, you're double as good as anybody else I know. That's not what he's talking about here, okay? Literally, what he's talking about is you're to take care of your leadership, okay? It says, for the Scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. In other words, you have an ox. He's treading your corn. He's doing the work that an ox did back in ancient times. Don't put a muzzle on him. What does that mean? Take the muzzle off. Let the guy eat some corn. All right, that's what it's saying. You put the muzzle on because I don't want you, hey, just tread the corn, don't eat it, okay? Just get the work done. Oh, take the muzzle off so you can eat some corn and enjoy your time while you're doing the work. That's literally what they're talking about here, and it says, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. You ought to be concerned, and by the way, you are. You ought to be concerned for spiritual leadership that the spiritual leadership that you are, benefiting from because they're watching for your soul, because they're teaching you the Word of God, they're laboring in the Word of God to bring that to you, and you are benefiting with the richness of God's Word, you're to be concerned in the opposite direction to take care of them, to allow them to enjoy a little bit of the fruits of their labor in a physical sense, and also to uh, just if you will, apply those Old Testament principles that are true through all out time. The laborer is worthy of his reward. labor's is worthy of his hire. We've also seen it in Scripture. So you, you honor them by taking care of their needs and blessing them. Here's a second way that he says here that you can honor them as well, though. Letter B, you can honor them by protecting their reputation. See what he says here in verse 19. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Now, he has a caveat there. He doesn't just say receive not an accusation as if you can't ever accuse an elder of something or a pastor of something, especially if they did it, okay? But it says do not receive that accusation. What does that mean? It means somebody comes to you. Somebody comes to you with dirt on the pastor, dirt on one of the shepherds in the church, dirt on somebody in spiritual leadership. I mean, you stop them right there, especially if they're all by themselves. Why don't we go talk to that person? You just stop them right there. Now, there is a caveat in here. I mean, literally, sometimes spiritual leadership falls into sin, and they need to be confronted. Absolutely. Me as well. If that ever happened to me, you have every right. But according to the scripture, you bring some people with you. Because this isn't a fight between me and you. It's not a fight between you and that leader, whoever that is. Absolutely not. It is you protecting your church, standing up for what's right, and ultimately helping that leader, honestly. So you don't make it about a one-on-one thing. This isn't church restoration here. Okay, This is, let's get some other people involved in this. Don't receive an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. You can honor that person by protecting their reputation. I mean, I, honestly, it hasn't really happened to me uh, up until this year that this has ever been an issue with me. But, you know, just don't... Your pastor anybody's pastor, this has nothing to do with me, anybody's pastor can never even do justice to answering all the accusations that would ever come out. Uh, most of them you just have to kind of forget about and move on. Um, but it sure is helpful when the body rises up and says, eh, cut that off right now. Cut that off right now. Uh, you, you have an issue with the pastor? Let's go talk to the pastor. Let's go take care of it right now. You know, just, just nip this whole this whole southern thing in the bud where, uh, Pastor Sean, somebody's been talking to me and they have a concern with this or that. Well, who's the somebody? Well, they want to remain anonymous. Just nip that right in the bud. Let's talk this thing out. Let's, let's, get it, let's get it out in the open. Let's figure this thing out. There's too much at stake here. And honestly, it has nothing to do with the pastor or the leader. It has to do with the body of Christ, the reputation of Christ. Here's what can happen. Somebody that's teaching, Um, a leader in, in your life or in somebody else's life that's teaching them the Word of God, that's trying to lead them in the faith of Jesus Christ. Somebody can come along and slander them. And people may not even believe it, but here's what they do. They stop following. They don't necessarily think it's true, but they don't know. Nothing is said. They just hear the accusation. And that person is allowed to keep accusing and going and going. It's never stopped. And so what happens? Sheep, stop following the shepherd. The devil uses that all the time. Honor the spiritual leadership God's put in place. Take care of them. Appreciate them. Bless them physically. Honor them by protecting their reputation. And here, lastly, okay, just give me a few more about 10 more minutes here. Here, point number four, I think, to me, is the biggest one. This is the biggest one. Yeah, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Would you turn there? Our last section here. First Peter chapter 4. And I believe this is the biggest part right here. 1 Peter chapter 4, point number 4. Be a good steward of your own spiritual gift. Be a good steward of that. As you know when God saved you, he gave you. Uh, you already had gifts and talents already. But once he saved you and you started growing in Christ... There are um, gifts and talents and abilities that start to emerge in your life. In other words, we could simply put it this, ways that you desire to minister to other people. There are certain propensities that you have that might be similar to somebody else, but they're all kind of unique in their own little way avenues that when you see a need, when you see somebody, now that you're saved, and the Holy Spirit, the ultimate minister, is living inside of you, when you see a need now, you want to meet that need. And there's certain ways that all of us kind of go, directions we go, to want to meet those needs. Be a good steward of that. Put that gift into place. As Paul told Timothy, stir up that gift. Stir it up. Use it in the assembly. That's one of the the biggest blessings you can do to a spiritual leader in your life start reciprocating. It's not just for the spiritual leader to use their gifts and to to feed you, but to turn that around and to say, I want to have a part in this as well. Because each and every one of us can and should have a part in that. 1 Peter chapter 4. So there's spiritual gift passages, just a little snapshot there. You have the two twelves and the two fours, right? So 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, and then Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. So 12s and 4s, the spiritual gifts passages were in 1st Peter 4, which is actually the smallest one. But he says some really key things here. We'd read verse number 8. Would you start there with me? Every, every use and stewardship of the gifts that God has given you has to be coded in love. It has to be. And he starts right out there in verse number 8. He says above all things have fervent charity, fervent love among yourselves this, in this body. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Isn't that the truth? Boy, if we just love each other properly, all these things would not be a big deal. I mean, it'd really take a lot to get you upset if you and I were as loving as we're supposed to be. covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, using hospitality one to another without grudging. Verse 10, as every man hath received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There's something spiritual about the grace of God in the life of a believer. Yes, you're saved by grace. Absolutely, you and I did not deserve to be saved. It was a grace of God bestowed upon us to offer us salvation. But his grace continues according to the New Testament. We now have grace to live it's where we draw our strength from. It's, where, it's really what flavors who we become in Jesus Christ. And he says here, we're to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God in his grace has not just given you a ticket to heaven. That's really the, the self-serving aspect of what people would call Christianity. I just want my sins forgiven so I can go to heaven. No, God forgave your sins and made you part of something wonderful made you part of a family, a local assembly, family in this sense, but even a larger family, the family of God, that will spend eternity one day in him. But until then, until then, in this physical body, in these local assemblies, we're to take these gifts that God has given us and to use them within the assembly. He says there in, in, uh, let's see, in verse number 10, That we have all received a gift. He said, as every man hath received the gift. That's just man in generic, okay? That's every person in the human race. Once you've been saved, okay, once you've received the gift of eternal life, you've also received a gift of the Spirit, some of us multiple. As every man hath received the gift. By the way, not all the gifts are listed in Scripture. There are seven or eight that seem to be agreed upon. Um, but there's nowhere that says that those are the only gifts, and there's even some places that say some of the gifts, more the miraculous gifts, have have ceased. Okay, so the gifts of the Spirit. We can't put God in a box on this. And say, well, um, I know there's seven or eight gifts of the Spirit, and I don't feel like I have any of those. Well, maybe you have a different one. I mean, God can do anything He wants, right? That's not really the point. The point is He's given us each one. What are we going to do with it? Because if we're just expecting spiritual leadership to give to us, we're missing out on a huge part of Christianity and a huge part of our relationship with God. And quite honestly, you're not experiencing what you were meant to experience in the body of Christ. If you're not giving, if you're not serving, you're only receiving. You're, you're missing out on so much. We've all received a gift. Number two, the gift that we've received is to benefit other people. Look what he says there. As every man hath received the gift... Even so, minister the same one to another. He says, just like you have received it, now you turn around and you give it back. Every man. We've been given a gift, and this is, by the way, study the spiritual gift passages. They say this in different ways in all, all the passages. This gift that you and I have been given gifts, plural sometimes, is to benefit other people. Now, sometimes we can... If you find somebody, we might call them actually gifted, right? Somebody that seems to have an unusual amount of gifting in in one area, that can be a temptation for that person to really take that upon themselves and and to be prideful about that. And it becomes all about them and their gift now. And they enjoy the attention. They enjoy the publicity. They enjoy the respect and the admiration of others because they have this really nice gift, it seems like. So much better than my gift. I wish I could have that one. I wish I could be like that. And we end up forgetting, not paying attention to the gift that God gave us. And understanding that God gave, and this is God that gave the gift, right? I mean, if I gave you the gift, I could mess it up. I could give you the wrong gift even. But not God. He didn't give you the wrong gift. It's impossible for him to give you the wrong gift. So what are you going to do with that gift? And are you doing something with that gift? Because that's the biggest blessing. Honestly, I'm speaking for me. That's the biggest blessing you can give to me is to use your gift. Use it. I, I love nothing more than that. And it benefits the whole body. We've received this gift, all of us, which we've been saved. The gift is to benefit others, not to make us feel good, not to pad our own success in the, in the church. Because I mean, let's, let's be honest. Not everybody goes to church for the right reasons, right? Hopefully none of us here. But just examine yourself tonight. Lastly, we are stewards of this gift. What is that? What is a steward? A steward, he says right there, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So you've received the gift. Even so, turn it around and use that gift to minister to others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Well, steward... Literally, the definition of a steward is one that's responsible for the possessions of another. Oh, isn't it easy to forget that God gave us this spiritual gift? It's so easy to forget that, isn't it? It's like, it's so easy to take on the mantle, well, I'm just really good at this. Or, I I mean, I learned it. Um, I became, God God was so good to put me through this and this because I got really good at it. And now it's, without even saying it, it kind of gets twisted around to all about I. God says, no, no, you're just a steward. I've given you something. I expect you to steward it. So how are you going to steward it? We as people in the pew, and rightfully so, assemblies with leaders over us, we have all sorts of expectations for the leaders that are over us. God has expectations for you as well. He's given you a gift, and he expects you to be a good steward of it, to keep in possession, to manage it well, and to use it well, this gift that he has given you. And this gift is going to be, in effect, to minister, to aid in ministering to others. If you look at the other spiritual gift passages, to build up the body, to make the body strong, really to make the body unstoppable. God has put such a wonderful plan in place to give such power and boldness and courage to his body. It's empowered by him. He is at the center of it all. He gives the gifts. He, the grace flows from him. We're stewards of the gift that he has given to strengthen that body, to build up that body, not to take it upon ourselves, not to take it easy, to use those gifts. You know, there's about seven or eight of them listed in Romans 12, prophecy, which is really just proclaiming the word, teaching, exhortation, serving, mercy, giving, administration. They're in there, but there's others as well. What are you doing with the gift God has given you? Here's what I'd like us to do. i like us to, to pray. And um, after we're done praying, I'm going to have Pastor Bill, he's going to grab some young men, and, and we're going to pass out some spiritual gifts tests. Now, you're not going to have time to take them tonight, but as he's passing them out, I'll explain to you what to do with them. And I would encourage you, if, if you don't know, it's, I mean, I took it myself. Um, it's pretty accurate. Um, to what I, I'm, I have a pretty decent handle, I think, just because I study the scriptures and I'm around this all the time, a pretty decent handle on what my spiritual gifts are. I've been saved long enough to know that, and it's a pretty accurate test. So we'll run through that in just a minute. I would love for you, if you're a little unclear on that, to take this test. It'll take you a few minutes. And then to return that paper to us. It's something that we're going to be doing for all new members moving forward. We'll take that test so that we can try to help you plug into the place of service in the church to start immediately employing what God has gifted you with, stewarded you with, to build up his body. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have created this um, cyclical relationship, Lord, where it is not, it is never healthy for us just to receive and to receive and to receive. But Lord, it's You made it so that we would enjoy, not only enjoy, but you've gifted us to give back, to minister. We've received your grace, Lord, and now we're to take that grace and we're to minister to others. We're to build up specifically the body of Christ with these spiritual gifts that you've given us, Lord. And all these spiritual gifts are for that purpose, to build up your body, your assembly. Lord, help us not to be selfish with them. Help us not to be divisive with them. Help us definitely not to allow them to be dormant in our lives. You've given to us these gifts for a purpose. We want to we we accomplish the purpose you would have for us, Lord, as we look to spiritual leadership in our lives, Lord. We understand uh, the honor, the obedience, the submission, the remembering. We understand that, Lord. Father, we want to be ultimately obedient to you with our response to the leadership you placed in our lives. We want to engage as well. Would you help us to do that for your honor and your glory? We praise your name tonight, Lord. In your name I ask, amen. All right. So